Hello, my friends. I'm so glad that you could join me today. Welcome back to another episode of Anything Goes. Hey, friends, welcome back. I hope that your week is off to a good start, depending on if you are listening to this as it releases or not. Uh, Either way, I hope your day is off to a good start and your week or weekend is doing well as well. I hope to find all of you in good health and in good cheer, and any challenges that you are facing, I hope that you are implementing those things we've talked about through these episodes to help your mental health and your ability to focus and get through those difficult times that we all must face. Well, friends, today, as we've been continuing to discuss about some of the psychological applications of conspiracy theories and looking at some of the stuff that's happened in the U.S. Capitol and kind of how that stuff all breaks down, I thought I would bring up another interesting theory that might help give a little more light to what occurs in some of these uh, conspiratorial things that we see. Now, I promise you, friends, I am not trying to turn anything goes into an entirely conspiracy-focused show. But given the nature of what we've seen when conspiracies go too far in a person's mind and in a, a group's mind, it seemed to me that it was important that we have these discussions so that we too do not find ourselves caught up in this, and if we know of anyone that is in those things, perhaps we can have a better understanding of where they are and how to navigate that. So to that end, I want to introduce you to something known as Ramsey Theory. R-A-M-S-E and Y. Ramsey Theory. Now, the information I'm pulling from for this is on Wikipedia. Now, I know some academics have argued, as I even encountered when I was in graduate school and undergraduate, that Wikipedia was not a valid source. I can say it is not 100%, but I am of the mindset that no source is 100%. However, I do find that the information provided is usually pretty well done these days. So to that end, let's get into a little bit of what Ramsey theory is, some examples of it, some of the theorems that we can see as far as results from it. And then I can give you a little bit of references that you can do a little further digging for yourself, as I often encourage you to do. So what is Ramsey theory? Well, first, Ramsey theory was named after the British mathematician and philosopher, Frank P. Ramsey. And it's a branch of mathematics that focuses on the appearance of order in a substructure given a structure of a known size. Again, let me say that. I know that's a lot of syllables going on there. (laughs) It is a branch of mathematics that focuses on the appearance of order in a substructure given a structure of a known size. Problems in Ramsey theory typically ask a question of this form. How big must some substructure be to guarantee that a particular property holds? And this is a question it's asking. So, 
What we're looking at here is mathematics as it looks at the appearance of order within substructures given a known size. Um, and as the question asks, how big must some substructure be to guarantee that a particular property holds? So let's look at some examples of this. A typical result in Ramsey theory starts with some mathematical structure that is then cut into pieces. How big must the original structure be in order to ensure that at least one of the pieces has a given interesting property? This idea can be defined as partition regularity. Partition as in to cut into pieces. Or if anyone is familiar with, and I'm sure you are, how halt, uh, sorry, hard disk drives work. Uh, one can partition a hard disk drive, actually you can do the same with a solid state, uh, to divide it up. It's all the whole but broken into pieces, right? So that's what we're looking at here. The idea that is defined as partition regularity, or the regularly regular appearance of partitions, right? How regular they are, those partitions. For example, consider a complete graph of order n now, n is just a filler for whatever variable that would be. Uh, this is, as a side note here, where the idea of taking something to the nth degree comes from. This is a math mathematical reference, n meaning whatever number you're talking about. So, again, what we're looking at here is a complete graph of order n. That is, there are in vertices, whatever number that is, and each vertex is connected to every other vertex by an edge. So think of it kind of like forming a shape in 3D space. A complete graph of order 3 is called a triangle. Well, you can understand why. 3 being how many vertices, you would have a triangle. Now, color each edge either red or blue. How large must N be in order to ensure that there is either a blue triangle or a red triangle? It turns out that the answer is 6. So this, this is a, a complicated thing, and I'm not going to get into all of that in this podcast, because really breaking down the Ramsey theory fully would take several. Uh, and I'm just kind of giving an overview to this, and you can dig into it some more, as I often encourage you to do. Now, that said, uh, if you want to see more about that on Wikipedia on Ramsey theory, you can see an article on Ramsey's theorem for a rigorous proof of this. Now, obviously, when we say proof, we're talking about mathematical proof. Another way to express this result is as follows. At any party with at least six people, so you're at a party, there's at least six people there. There are three people who are all either mutual acquaintances, each one knows the other two, or they're all mutual strangers. Each one does not know either of the other two. This also is a special case of Ramsey's theorem. Uh, 
And this says that for any given integer c, again, that's a placeholder, any given integers n to the first, or n subs, subscript 1, all the way through n subscript c, there is a number r, capital R, open parentheses, n subscript 1 through n subscript c, such that if the edges of a complete graph of order capital R, open parentheses, n to the 1, I'm just going to say n to the 1 even though it's a subscript. For those of you mathematicians, sorry for fouling the language, <laughs> through n subscript 3, are colored with c different colors. Then for some, i between 1 and c, it must contain a complete subgraph of order n to the i subscript, whose edges are all colors i. The special case above has c equal 2 and n subscript 1 equaling n subscript 2, which equals 3. Oh my goodness. For mathematicians, you get it, and you're probably rolling your eyes at my poor description of it. Sorry. Thanks for following along. For those of you who are sitting here reading this with me or listening to me read this going, what on earth are you talking about? I understand your, your pain. <laughs> but essentially, what this is saying is it's giving a formula on how you can then find the regularity of those partitions as it talks about earlier. So given whatever the subset is, you can then mathematically calculate what the likeliness is of any particular uh, partition within uh, that substructure. So why does that matter? And how do they get to six? Well, it's a complicated mathematics that you have to go through. I say complicated because I'm not a mathematician, so you know I don't spend all day and night working on mathematics every day. Not in, at least not in these ways. <laughs> uh, but it's fascinating because what it says is, given the size, you can almost always be assured that you can find more than one particular party within the whole. So why does that matter? And how does that in any way have to do with what we've been talking about, about conspiracy theories and um, things that people fall for and all of that? How does this fall into play? Well, there's a couple of ways that we can look at this. Um, and I think the most important way we can consider it is this. Uh, and I'll start by first referencing a um, kind of an explanation, a generalized explanation that's given for the Ramsey theory. Theorems in Ramsey theory are generally one of the following two types. Many such theorems which are modeled after Ramsey's theorem itself assert that in every partition of a large structured object, one of the classes necessarily contains a large structured sub-object but give no information about which class this is. In other cases, the reason behind a Ramsey-type result is that the largest partition class always contains the desired substructure. The results of this latter kind are called either density results or Turin-type results after Turin's theorem. 
Notable examples include, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this, so I'm going to do my best. Forgive me if I don't say it right. Zemeredi, Zemeredi's theorem. It's S-Z-E-M-E-R-E -E with an accent, D-I apostrophe S. If you know how to say it, feel free to message me and help me on that. I'll look it up at some point as well. Moving on, includes Zemeredi's theorem, which is such a strengthening of van der, van der Waardin's, I'm assuming that's how you say that one again, <laughs> theorem, and the density version of the Hales-Jewett theorem. Now, why does this matter? Who cares? Well, you should care, and here's why. Because what we're talking about here is that given any particular group, one can be assured that there is a certain number of people that will be related in some way by ideals, by connection, um, so on. And there is a certain number that will not. So when we're looking at the ideas of conspiracy theories, what's happening here, right? We've talked a lot about different things that we see happening from the chemistry in the brain that some may have an elevated level of dopamine that might be making it easier for them to fall prey to these things, uh, to a lack of critical thinking skills that have been developed and understanding different logical fallacies, to isolation. And this is where I think the Ramsey theory can kind of help us understand something. And that is, many times we refer to people that kind of go into all the conspiracy theories and things of that nature as being at least a term I've heard used, and I've even used it once or twice before in my life, is tinfoil hats or tinfoils or tinfoilers. There's lots of ways people use it. But essentially the idea there being, um, you know, the tinfoil reference for those who are not familiar is uh, it comes from some of the ideals. You've seen it if you've ever seen the movie that had Mel Gibson in it called Signs about like aliens coming to the planet where they had like tinfoil wrapped around the tops of their heads with like a point to it. It's supposed to help block radio signals and all that, supposedly, right? This is an old thing. So tinfoils being a synonymous symbol with uh, kind of how bizarre it can get getting into conspiracy theorists' heads and what, what's going on. That all being said, so... It's quite common a lot of times in societies for people to find people who get into those conspiracies a bit uh, unusual, bizarre, cuckoo, crazy, off the deep end, however people want to use the terms to describe it. Uh, but think about it this way, and I'm not saying I'm endorsing conspiracy theories, I'm just trying to help explain some of the psychological aspects of it here. Think about it this way. If we think of what's going on as you would with bullying, you might be able to start delving into understanding some of the psychology that leads a person potentially to this direction. And we will pick up on that right after the break. Hello Anything Goes family. Just wanted to take this moment 
to remind you that if you like this podcast and you'd like to see it continue to grow and improve, um, I welcome you to become a monthly supporter to the podcast. You can do so at anchor.fm forward slash Joseph, J-O-S-E-P-H hyphen or dash Guzman, G-U-Z-M-A-N and the number three. There on that page, you'll find a button that says support. If you click on that button, you can become a monthly supporter to the podcast for as little as 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. The choice is up to you. And if you decide that you want to be a supporter larger than that, or you'd like to do a one-time gift, then you can click on that other button that says message, and I can certainly arrange that with you. And as always, my friends, I always love hearing from you. So if you'd like to send me a hello, you can click on that message button and let me know. Or if you'd like to be considered for a podcast, or if you have an idea for a podcast, send me a message. I always love hearing from you, my friends. All right, friends, we are back. So we were looking at Ramsey theory and how this kind of starts to break down. Uh, so we want to consider, as I was saying before the break, the ideas of bullying. And so the reason I bring that up is for this. If one is being bullied, obviously we could say that we don't appreciate that. No one likes to be bullied. No one likes to feel like that. But consider that if we look at it in that regard, someone who might be getting into conspiratorial ideas, they get ridiculed, they're getting shamed, they're getting made fun of, then they can tend to, you know, fall to the fringes of any particular group of people. And it's not necessarily that that's where they're trying to be, as much as that's kind of where they're relegated to. Anyone who's been through school can probably tell you that. You see schools get into cliques all the time, as we refer to it. Um, in, that, in the time I was in school, there was different cliques. It may be a little different nowadays, but, you know, the ideas of, like, you had what was, what was referred to as the jocks, all the athletes that hung out together, um, all the uh, pretty girls that hung out together, all the, you name it, the computer nerds or whatever, all these different kinds of things. So if you consider it in that regard with conspiracy theorists, then when you're growing up and curious about these things and you haven't had the training and you're not getting the support, then you start to move to those fringes and you start encountering other people who are in the fringes, including others of your persuasion, which then can lead to that kind of um, negative reinforcement, right? You, you are getting confirmation bias because people that are around you also view things the way you do. And this is where you start to encounter that, right? So let's, let's jump into social media and what was going on, let's say recently, right, with all of the Facebook and Parler and all of this stuff that was going on around, at least here in the U.S., and I'm sure in some ways it has happened in other places as well where there were issues of privacy and censorship arguments being presented, and rightfully so to some extent. But let's look at what happens, right? In, let's say, 
let's say we were 50 years back in the past. If you were in the fringe about some sort of conspiratorial thing, what options do you have for communication with people? Telephone? Um, you can put out an ad in a newspaper if anyone will support it. You know, word of mouth, going to groups and talking to people. Things like that. It's much harder to disseminate your views and information. But in the age of the internet and social media, it is far, far easier for anyone to have a platform and to use their platform to discuss their ideas, their feelings, what have you. So given that, and given that these people perhaps have been kind of in fringes of this, in the fringes of society, should we not be surprised that when they are that way, that they get into a platform like Facebook or Parler or one of these places, and they find other people that think like them? Well, as someone who went through bullying, I can tell you, you find solace in connection, even if it's not the best connection. But if someone accepts you, it means a lot, which means you're willing to potentially compromise on some things for the sake of community and connection which is true to how we are as human beings. We are interdependent, whether we want to admit it or not, whether our hubris will allow us to admit it or not. So, if that's the case, then Ramsey's theorem would indicate that given that particular group, right, whatever the size of that group is, we can be assured that there is a certain number of connections who know each other who have certain viewpoints. And the reason they stick together? Community, confirmation bias, um, things of that nature. But it's amplified when on something like social media or on the internet especially, I would say, social media, with platforms like Facebook and others where you can reach, what, a billion people, potentially? It's massive. I think a great example of that is looking at the previous, well, I guess I shouldn't say previous, he's still technically our president for a little while longer, uh, for, you know, 24 hours or so. But with Donald Trump, we can see the evidence of what occurs and the power that can be had by a person on platform. Think about how much was able to be promoted from his words to a large following of people through social media, through Twitter, primarily Twitter, um, but also in places like Facebook and Parler and other places. Granted, many are now trying to scrub their sites of this sort of information, and rightfully so. Granted, I would say uh, a dollar short, but, you know, better late than never, I suppose. So, Ramsey's theory would indicate that we can be assured that whatever, lar the largeness of the group will indicate the chances, the higher the chances that we're going to have these sorts of connections, these sorts of subgroups, these partition regularities, as it says. And so, I know that these days, 
especially given after what happened in the Capitol a couple of weeks back. There's a lot of knee-jerk reaction, a lot of emotion that comes up, and understandable. But what's interesting is to see that despite federal agencies tracking people down who invaded the Capitol, it has not dissuaded the movement. And that's greatly in part, I believe, to confirmation bias, to ease of connection on the internet. Um, and as we saw recently, Amazon refused to support the, the or to be servers for Parler because of them not managing their site very well. Well, since then, they have now, Parler is now back up just through different means. I don't know if they've got some other company. I haven't really looked into it too much or if they've set up their own servers. But I say all of this to say that this demographic will not just simply go away. Federal agencies chasing people down and putting them in jail does not make it go away. One would think that with, you know, your freedom on the line that you might change your mind, but you don't. You don't see that. For some, you do. For some. And I can say that because I've been following a Reddit channel for a while um, called r slash QAnon casualties. And it's people talking about their testimonies of either coming out of QAnon themselves or having family members that they've had falling out in their family and friendships because people went kind of, as the saying goes, off the deep end into QAnon and other conspiracies as well. So, that said, I mention all of this for us to understand that these kinds of demographics will exist and have always existed. I could be fairly certain, in fact, I would say I'm pretty highly certain, 90-something percent, that even in the times of Socrates, Aristotle, these things occurred. The difference is the proliferation of it. And that only happens because we have now, through the advent of electricity and being able to create computational devices and sending signal through the wire, we can now connect to people across the globe. So information that we might only be able to reach a few people with, we can now potentially reach millions, if not billions, with. And why is that a problem? Well, in some ways I would say it isn't. When all people are able to have reasonable debate about it. If you can have reasonable debate, then there's really not a problem in arguing points of view. It helps strengthen the mind. It helps people to have a more solid footing in what they believe and understand and why they do. And this is something I understand, being a person who has grown up spiritual and grown up in faith. I understand that there is value in having to question what you believe and being challenged in it to understand why you do. And that's true in any point of view that we have in life. Um, debate is a useful part of society. It is why philosophy, I would say, idolizes in some senses, right? Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, these sorts of people. Uh, because 
the school of thought and philosophy and morals and ethics, all of these things are very much so a very integral part of human existence and civilization. And without them, uh, we don't see, we, we, in my mind, we end up going back in many ways to more barbaric ways of being. And that's not how we advance as a society. Um, so with regard to Ramsey theory, the reason I mentioned that is just, you can be assured that given a large enough number, the chances of you encountering things of this nature, these conspiratorial things and groups like that, are not going to be less, but more. And the chances that you know someone who are related, who are connected in these things, or know someone that is related in those things, are high. The higher the number, the higher the chance. This can also be said in many other ways, right? With coronavirus and all of that, right? The higher the exposure rate and uh, infection rate of the virus, the more likely it is that you know someone um, who has been affected by it. This is just how it works. So considering that, how do you use this to your benefit? Well, one, acknowledge that the chances of encountering it are going to be higher when you're on the internet, when you're on social media, because of the sheer volume of people on it. If you're on a network that has a hundred people, chances are lower, and your population density for any of those partitions is lower. But when you're talking about millions and billions, way higher, and far more likely that you will be connected to someone. So I say that to say, just know that this is something you're going to encounter when you're online. And that's important to recognize because if you know it's there and you're aware that it's going to be, you're going to encounter it, then you're not so surprised by it. And when you're not surprised by it, you don't have so much of a knee-jerk reaction to it. Furthermore, as we've discussed in other episodes, when people have potentially a chemistry issue going on in them that they are producing too much dopamine, more than normal, and we've seen and talked about uh, tests that they've done in psychology looking at how the level of dopamine seems to imply that uh, people can have a higher tendency to believe at least one major or more uh, conspiracies based on an elevated dopamine level or not. Ramsey theory also would help indicate that these patterns can seem to have some sense of regularity even if they don't. They do have a sense of regularity in some way, right? But they can and they don't in other ways and that's partly because of the way our brains are wired. We are wired to find pattern. It's a survival mechanism. Knowing what a human face looks like versus a, a lion or jaguar face or whatever, right, is a survival mechanism. I've mentioned that before in a previous episode. But we are hardwired to find pattern. And there's a few reasons for that other than survival, right? Survival is one. Another is it helps us to navigate the environment we are in. We are creatures of habit because we are creatures of pattern. And because we are creatures of pattern, 
we do not tend to like chaos. And so when something breaks the norm, it's what we, in business, right, we would call a disruptor. It's disruptive. It breaks up the norm. It breaks up the pattern. And this is an important thing to be aware of as you navigate this, because chances are going to go higher that you're going to encounter someone at some point, and many, many, maybe many someones, who fall into the category of these conspiratorial things. So it's important to know this so that you are better equipped on knowing how to handle it. We'll pick up on this right after the break. All right, friends, we're back. So as I was talking about before the break, I was mentioning the fact that by knowing these different things, it helps us to be more equipped. It helps us to have a better understanding. And another thing that's useful, <clears throat> pardon me, is something that I had mentioned before, which is looking for groups and finding groups where you can understand what's happening in these. A one, one that I would mention is one that I've already said before. The Reddit group r forward slash QAnon casualties. It sounds terrible, but it's really not that. It's really, you know, it's not like gruesome stuff. It's people talking about the falling outs, the falling out they've had with people that have gotten into these conspiracies or people who are starting to come out of it. I would strongly encourage you to look into these things. Uh, you'll find some wonderful insights on how people navigate it. Now, some people don't really have the best response in there, but a lot of times, and by and large, I would say most people do. And it's a great way to help you have empathy and understanding for what's going on and to also equip yourself more logically on how to address these things. So that would be something that I would say would be useful. Another thing, and this is something I'm investigating. I haven't finished reading through it yet, but I purchased a copy of a book called an Illustrated Book of Bad Arguments. Learn the Lost Art of Making Sense. Uh, this was written uh, by an author by the name of Ali Al-Masawi. A really good book. The, the illustrations are wonderful. They're very child-friendly. Uh, and the idea here is that this book is aimed uh, at newcomers to the field of logical reasoning. Um, and particularly those, uh, to those who, um, like, uh, to borrow a phrase from Pascal, uh, are so made that they understand best through visuals. So essentially, using visuals to help break down the barrier of text logic defenses. But the idea is to help people learn these logical fallacies and to understand them in themselves and in the world around them. Uh, and the logical fallacies go all over the place. It looks at formal uh, versus propositional, such as like affirming the, the uh, consequent. You can look at red herrings, different kinds of red herrings, such as arguments, uh, an argument from consequences, uh, guilt by association, straw man arguments, um, an appeal to the bandwagon, Emotional appeals, uh, like an appeal to fear, genetic fallacies, ad hominems, appeal to irrelevant authority, an appeal to hypocrisy, uh, these kinds of things. And then your informals also go into things like ambiguities. 
such as equivocation uh, or the redefinition to uh, no true Scotsman kind of thing, which is another logical fallacy. Your casual ones looking at things like not a cause for a cause or a slippery slope. I see a slippery slope fallacy used a lot by people. Uh, many of these are the straw man. You see straw man things kind of in uh, thrown around in politics a lot of times, that kind of argument. Um, unwarranted assumptions such as false dilemmas or composition and division. Uh, begging the question, you've probably heard that phrase many a times. That's referring to a logical fallacy if used properly, such as circular reasoning. That um, they got the touchdown because people took the ball from them and then got to the goal, and therefore they made a touchdown. It's a really poor example, but just trying to give something to help understand. And so this goes through all kinds of logical fallacies, but it uses really fun narratives, uh, very fun little child illustrations to help people understand. So one of them, I'll give just a little brief cartoon thing. I don't want to do too much because I want you to find the book for yourself and enjoy it. Uh, plus, I don't want the author to get mad at me for reading too much of it. <laughs> Uh, since they're not paying me to do so. Uh, but here's one of them that's an argument from consequences. Um, and the visual is uh, what looks like a lion cowboy riding on a cow. And they're looking at a sign that has a cow's face on it that says, Experts agree, cow emissions are killing our planet. Underneath it, it says, Well, if we get rid of our cows, then we will have to walk everywhere. And that would be terrible for morale. Therefore, cow emissions are not killing our planet. This is an illustration. They're trying to make the point of, do you see the fallacy here? How this argument, this is an argument from consequences. This is a very well done book. Adults can appreciate it. Uh, there are some things that might be a little heady for young kids. Um, but the visuals in the little book, you could read those little animated parts, those little illustrated parts, sorry to kids to help them understand and break down those things. And I'm a big proponent for teaching your kids early. Um, and this partly comes from having been an educator for many years. Is, um, teach your kids early. Their minds are like sponges. I know that's such a cliche phrase, but it is true. Uh, the younger mind is still developing so many neural pathways. Um, and so Introducing them to things like this and helping them understand it and giving them fun visuals will really help embed it into their mind and help them to be strengthened in critical thinking and logical thinking so that when they encounter these kinds of uh, fallacies, they can identify them quickly and um, be able to dismantle what's happening there with emotional intelligence involved. You don't want to be the, the jerk that's like, nah, that's a fallacy, you're an idiot. That's not helpful. Granted, it's a, it's a reaction sometimes we probably feel. I can say that I do. It's, but it's something that we shouldn't act upon so much because it's really not helpful. Um, so, that said, friends, if you're looking for a good book that you can kind of enjoy yourselves on logical fallacies, uh, how to identify bad arguments, and to be able to teach your kids with it with the fun visuals, I would strongly recommend this. I got it on Amazon. Again, the book is called An Illustrated Book of Bad Arguments. The cover of it, the book is kind of this uh, coffee stain, kind of brown and tan color. And on the cover, it's got a little illustration of a fox and a badger 
in a cave looking at pipes. So if you're interested in it, I would strongly recommend this book. It didn't cost much. I think it was like $12 or something like that. Um, but it's a great book to help teach your kids about critical thinking and identifying logical fallacies and to also help you strengthen your skills in that, which we all can use, myself included. So that all said, friends, as we move forward in all of this, remember knowledge, good knowledge, is a useful and meaningful and important tool to have in your belt as you encounter these conspiratorial things and other aspects in life, other challenges in life, I should say. By no means would I say that this is the end-all be-all, but as you equip yourself and you understand how things like the Ramsey theory works, uh, how some of the uh, cognitive issues work that I've discussed in previous episode uh, with regard to conspiracy, how the physical aspects work, like the potential of having a higher than normal dopamine level, how those things can affect people and potentially put them at a higher disposition to fall for major conspiracy theories. By knowing this and by learning to develop your emotional intelligence um, and learning to kind of, as Jay Shetty says, think like a monk, uh, you can approach these things with a bit more understanding, a bit more peace, a bit more compassion. It doesn't mean you're going to do it right all the time. As you've heard me say a million times, no one is perfect. But as you equip yourself and practice these things out regularly, you will find that you're better. You're better prepared, you're better equipped, and you might even help plant some seeds to help lead some people out of those conspiratorial places they found themselves in. And how great is that? As I've said many a times, right? Each starfish you can get that's washed ashore and throw it back in the water is still one more worth doing, right? So it's not about how many are out there, it's about how many you can touch, how many you can get back in the water. So I think, friends, that'll wrap it up for this particular episode. I hope that you've been enjoying these. I, I know sometimes they can get a little heady and confusing. I'm right there with you. I address things that also challenge my mind. So as I'm reading things to you, I don't necessarily claim to understand them fully. I am not a uh, career mathematician. Uh, I am not a astrophysicist or any of those things. But I am a person who loves to learn. Uh, I am a person who loves to uh, challenge my mind and who likes to understand how people function. I love psychology for that reason. My wife oftentimes jokes that for me, I like connecting with new people even if I don't necessarily know if we'll be friends, because to me it's another specimen to examine. <laughs> I don't know that I would necessarily go so far as to say that, but I think it's funny what she says, because I understand her point of view. I am a very analytical person, and nothing fascinates me more than humans. The human body, the human mind, uh, this is part of why I got into art. Um, I love studying the human figure. Uh, were I in a position where I could afford to do so, I would spend hours in a studio that I don't have right now uh, having models and just studying and drawing and drawing the human figure because it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me the way the body functions, the way the body holds weight, 
the way muscles move beneath skin. It, there's just so much fascination to me about humans in, in many ways. The, the body, the mind, the spirit, the soul, whatever you want to call it. All of these things are very fascinating to me. And so, of course, I, I take an interest in people. Um, and furthermore, as someone who's uh, worked in different kinds of intelligence for business and other things, I can say that it is, to me, it is far more beneficial to have people around me, even if I don't see eye to eye with them. For one, it challenges my mind and forces me to have to think about things differently and how to approach things with them. Two, uh, there is truth in the idea, the saying of keep your friends close, your enemies closer. I try not to have too many enemies, really. There are people I may not agree with, but I don't necessarily consider them enemies. Um, but it's there is value in that. There are many people I connect with that I don't necessarily agree with much of what they stand for in their life. But it is an opportunity for me to glean from their life and to understand who they are and what they're about and why they think the way they do and why they believe what they believe. Um, I think there's good knowledge in that. As I've said many a times, and I was talking to my wife about yesterday, I think people forsake the value of connection and knowing that you can learn from anyone, even the worst person you may have encountered in life. You can learn from them, even if it's simply what not to do. There's always something that can be learned. Well, friends, with all of that being said, I'm going to call it a, a wrap on this one. I love you all so much. I'm so thankful to have you all here. I, it just excites me every time I see uh, the statistics showing me that there's been more downloads. While it's definitely flattering to me, right, it's more exciting to know that what I'm putting out there is still interesting to so many people. Because, you know, who am I? I'm, I'm some random dude. <laughs> but somehow I'm putting something out there that you find interest in, and I'm thankful for that, and I'm glad for that. I'm glad that I can bring you something of entertainment and maybe relaxation and challenge. And so I'm just glad for all of you to be a part of this family. Uh, whether you've been here just for a little while or you've been following along since the beginning of this journey, I'm glad for you. Uh, all over the world, because I know you are everywhere, friends. Y'all are all through Europe, through Asia. Um, I haven't seen any Middle East yet, but maybe some of them will show up. Be glad to have them in the journey. Um, South America, North America, um, all over the place. So for all of you friends, I'm so glad to have you on this journey. Thank you for being a part of this. You make this worth doing. And uh, hopefully I can be able to continue to make these happen and find financial support through ads or maybe for those who are able to be monthly supporters to the podcast, they can do that on my anchor page um, to keep this moving forward. And also an update real quick on that. Um, I am working on some things. I may, through some business connections, be able to get some upgrades done to my recording studio, my podcasting studio, which may help to improve sound quality and eliminate some ambient sounds that I'm kind of limited at being able to uh, eliminate right now and to actually be able to get a mixer so that I can really clean up the sound of the audio for each person so when I do interviews I can hopefully clean it up a little more 
So I'm excited to announce that that may be happening soon. It all depends on how all that pans out. But I am doing my part to try and improve this as I said I would. And thank you all for being for doing your part by just being a part of the family and continuing to support this by listening and downloading and commenting, sending me messages. And when you're able to, if you're able to support it, that's another way that you can help me keep this moving forward. So all of that said, friends, thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, continue to be curious. Always be curious. Always be learning. Um, try to be kind in as much as you're able to especially to those that are difficult to deal with in your life, because sometimes we're difficult to deal with. <laughs> uh, there's such a giant world out there and such a giant universe out there, and there's so much to learn. So friends, never stop learning. Stay curious, stay kind, stay beautiful. And until next time, friends, we will talk to you soon.